it to be, so it's like near-term past, present, and then near-term future. Those are the three points that I want for GEP. You want them in that order, too? Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, would you let them, like, in, just so for information, uh -huh. in quarters, or would you add a percentage? Yeah, um, you, you can, for the, for economic data, you can do quarters. Um, so you, you can do either quarters or you can do annualized data as long as it's near-term past, present, near-term future, right? So either one of those apply. But that's the only place where you're, in, that I'm not going to require that you use annualized data. Everywhere else in the paper, you're going to use annual data. So as long as you don't use that as a theme, right, say, oh, I'm going to collect quarterly data for revenue and compound annual growth rate and all that kind of stuff. So economic data, if you want to use quarters, that's okay, as long as you go back to annualized data. Would you want them, like, standardized, like, quarters for GDP and interest rates annualized? Or, like, no, so stick to whichever, so if you're going to use, so for whatever, uh, so throughout all economic forces, make a decision. You're either going to represent all those data across all four of those sets quarterly, or you're going to use annualized data and just be consistent. That's okay. So you don't have to apologize. Yep. Um, so, and then along with that, I guess, would you like to, in the future, is that 2022 year, since we're not yet done with 2022, is that the future? Um, so are you talking about? Like predictions. Yeah, so for the economic straighten your head and then be consistent across those. Does that help? Yeah, no, that's it. Okay. Yeah, Luca. Is there a good database that you recommend getting the economic information from? Let me ask the, so yes. Um, so not a database, so, but there are really good um, resources to use for, to collect economic data. The U.S. government collects economic data routinely and publishes those. Um, who's got a good source for economic data? Where, do you, where are you guys going for economic data? You guys are freaking me out. You should have these data. If you haven't started, I mean, you haven't, if, if you haven't started collecting data, you're freaking me out. This, this, this paper is fucking hard to write. So collecting the data is, is sh sh 
so I'm a little bit concerned. So U.S. economic data. We know that we're at a, at a federal level here because we're at the U.S. Department of Commerce, and so they go through, there are a lot of, right, um, not just the economic data that I've asked for, um, but there are a lot of economic data in here. Um, you may have to go elsewhere for U.S. dollar index, but for GDP inflation um, interest rates, the uh, DEA is a really good and reliable source. Um, for U.S. dollar index, right? Here's Market Watch. Here's Bloomberg. Right? They'll give you the historical. Right? And you can. Right? So really easy. So again, just be consistent, you know, whether it's so with the economic data exclusively, right? I'm not, you know, so whether you're going to use quarter, quarterly is okay, but you need quarterly consistently for all the economic data, right? So you need generalized data, you use it consistently for all economic um, data. So how would you find the annualized cost? So you can. When you go into these, these, these are interactive charts. You can pick the range, right, and look for annual um, for the uh, annual data. Right, so, so you can see here, you can pick your chart range, right, and then it will print out those for you. So you can pick your. Anytime you put your cursor right on the on a particular point, right, it'll give you those rates. And again, as long as you know when quarters are. So if, if you're going to use quarterly data, right, say well quarter was January, the most recent quarter, right, in the rear view mirror was first quarter 2022. That's January through March, right. So you'd look back here. You'd say okay, and then for January. those dates January through March, and you look for first quarter uh, U.S. dollar index data. So all of the, essentially all of the data, whether it's quarterly or annualized, um, can be quickly found just by typing in simple searches. And then I'm, I'm specifically being a little bit opaque here because I want you to do the work to go in and learn how to use the charts and find either the annualized or the Data. You can also find these published reports, right? So if you don't want to go to the raw data, you can find, you know, so uh, you can find, for example, um, most recent report summarizing <coughs> U.S. dollar index data, right? And we just use the average to determine. You, yeah, you can, right? Yeah, absolutely. And again, just be consistent.
the economic data, this is the only place in your writing where you're going to collect actual quantitative data and then annualize the collective of the quantitative data. Everything else is qualitative, right? You're just you're going to uh, collect information, um, you know, basically in, in words as opposed to numbers. Okay. So let me actually go back here started a more structured uh, fashion here. Do you guys have any questions that I can answer about the external, just the very first piece uh, of the second writing assignment about the external analysis? Anybody good there? What is an external analysis? You should be able to go to your textbook um, and find, uh, find a definition that you can then cite um, as your source. We've been talking about economic forces uh, as it relates to the macro environment. Is there anything else I can answer regarding the economic forces before I move on the life cycle? So you would only mention specific companies such as Tesla if it's different from the macro environment. So you don't. So if there's no difference, do you even bring Tesla up at all? You do not. Okay. No, because they are automatically part of the sub-industry. So you, you are, um, you are already incorporating them when you make a statement about what the result of those data are for the sub-industry, which already includes Tesla. Where you are going to find difference um, likely is when you get to Porter's, right? The results of the Porter's analysis as applied to the sub-industry is likely going to be different, especially in the bargaining power of suppliers. The results of this, that's going to be one place where, you're, where you are going to make a separate statement that's going to apply to Tesla that's not true of the entire sub-industry. Um, otherwise, I would think for, um, for the macroeconomic forces and for life cycle that you're not going to find so much distinction that you need to pay attention to. It's going to, it's going to be in the noise. Life cycle analysis, right? So you have to introduce the model. Um, they're going to state the stage, what the stage is currently for automobile manufacturing, and then you're going to collect the data, analyze the data to support the statement that you've made about what stage the life cycle is. What questions do you have regarding what you need, what information you need to collect to, um, to perform an adequate life cycle analysis? So the only part of your paper where you're doing a full analysis. Yeah. So for the uh, barriers to entry, it says you want three for all of our data. I only have two. We only talked about the chips and the battery. Okay, um, okay so barriers, yeah, so barriers to entry. So there are three. Uh, so what you so what you need to collect in order to essentially answer the question and support the statement. Uh, so we've got your um, compound annual growth rates, right, plus your predicted future revenue, uh, and you've got. Uh, so you're going to need um, multiple data points for that. You're going to need um, 
entry barriers, right? You're going to need multiple data points for that. Um, and then um, uh, industry competitive structures are consolidated or you know, fragmented, essentially. So uh, the barriers to entry, right, you, go, you, you need to go back and say, well, what are relevant barriers to entry to know what to include there? Unfortunately, where can what where can you go to also find barriers to entry outside the life cycle? I'm going to answer your question kind of in a, indirectly. Yeah. So you can go to Porter's. Yeah. Do we have Porter's data for the automobile manufacturing sub-industry? Do we have Porter's data? Brandon's saying yes. What's that? go to the survey, right, here's your porters, right, this is for the um, automobile manufacturing sub-industry, right, and you can go here, so you'll see the very first uh, uh, force that, that is being evaluated is um, the threat of new entrants, and we know that the threat of new entrants is a function of entry barriers, so here's where you can leverage information from porters and apply it um, as one of your data sets for life cycle, okay? Um, and so here we know that one of the entry barriers is this, uh, the um, capital investment, right? So we know we've got a statement there about, um, about the high cost of doing business. So it makes it difficult for a company to enter in because you're gonna have to in incorporate um, um, considerable expense um, tremendous brand development, right? They talk here about um, um, about how important brands are, right? So you can use information from porters to answer the question about entry barriers in life cycle. Did I answer your question? Yeah, I'm just kind of asking for a third. Sad. Yeah, yeah. And so, so you have to go. So here's what I would urge you to do is to make sure you say, okay, let me make sure I understand what, what are different examples of entry barriers. Uh, so uh, switching costs are also an example of entry barriers. They talk about switching costs a number of times in this survey. And so m most everything that you're gonna need for both the industry life cycle and for porters can be found in this survey. Where you have to spend the time is just reading the survey so that you can, uh, and if you haven't done that, you need to do that ASAP. And when I say read the survey, just a second, when I say read the survey, please do not look at the survey as, um, as like you're looking for answers to questions, right? Kind of like you did in high school, right? You're looking for answers to questions. Instead, just sit down and read the survey. It'll, it will take you probably less than 30 minutes. And just have a highlighter and just say, as you read the survey, every time you come across a piece of information that you know that's going to be included in your right, just highlight it. And maybe use a different colored highlighter for a different portion of the report, right? So maybe use green for anything like GDP or economic data related. Maybe use a different color for anything that's in the life cycle. Maybe use a different color for porters or something like that. So um, I know what's in the report. I know what I've asked for in the rubric. And the majority of the information can be found um, in, in that survey.
survey. So take the time and just read through it so that you know what information you have versus what information now you need to go out and collect um, additionally, like those economic data we were talking about. Um, Carolyn. That's why I was saying it's all qualitative at that point. So you're going to be making statements and supporting those statements with citing this industry survey about uh, about what's going on with entry barriers, right? What's going on with you know with these, these other things? So you're, those are qualitative statements that then you have to evaluate, right? To um, to make a statement. So um, the. Uh, See for so for industry life cycle, sorry Caroline. So for industry life cycle, you are going to collect some quantitative data for the DP. I mean, excuse me for uh, for company annual growth rate for the revenue. Right? And then for that projected growth for the annual growth rate, do you want just one point or like for like 2022, or do you want projected growth over like the next three years? Yeah. So you don't have to go necessarily three years, but so for example, right this survey again. Right, you can get the projected growth, right? So here in the financial metrics, this is on page six of that report, says we expect industry, uh, excuse me, uh, industry revenues to grow 13.5% in 2021. Now that's, I mean, that's because the report was written still in 2021, but here they have 2022, right? So that's a projected right, number for uh, a time frame we have yet to finish. So you could use this 8.3 projected revenue 2022, and that's good, right? So you have three-year compound annual growth rates. You have three numbers for what already occurred, and then you have one number for near-term future, okay? Um, you guys know where to get the three-year compound annual growth rate data? Are you good there? Okay. Okay. Um, let me see. Uh, so you're going to go to the same, you know, the, the database, right, Standard & Poor's database. I'm just going to go back to uh, essentially the beginning of this endeavor so I can show this to everybody, right? So I just, you know, typed in Tesla since that's our target company to get us in the right space. And then I'm going to go down and click on the hyperlink associated with the sub-industry, right? So I'm going to click on automobile manufacturers. Now I know I'm in the right space, right, because it says automobile manufacturers industry profile at the top. And then I'm going to go in, and this is where I got that, that industry survey, was right here, right? But here I'm going to go into the left-hand margin, and I'm going to click on the hyperlink for key stats and ratios. So again, I know I'm in the right place because the heading is key stats and ratios for automobile manufacturers, the sub-industry in question. So here, what you need to do is actually scroll all the way down to the bottom and you'll find, right, the very last set of data is your, your compound annual growth rate over three years, right? So we know, right, that, and so what you're gonna use is this top line, right? Total revenue, three-year uh, compound annual growth rate. So 
So we need to go back up and say, okay, what's our last uh, full year, right, which was calendar year 2021? It's this column right here, right? So I'm just going to leave my cursor in that column, right, and say, okay, and I know that it's going to be in the two columns, the, the, if I go back two more columns, that's calendar year 2020, and then I've got calendar year 2019. So those are the three three-year compound annual growth rate numbers that I need. So I'm going to leave my cursor there so I can scroll back down, right? So 2021, the three-year compound annual growth rate was 0.2%. For calendar year 2019, it was negative 2.3%. And for calendar year Right, uh, so 2019, it was a positive 4.3%. So you've got your now your three years, right? 4.3, negative 2.3, 0.2%. Those are near term in the rear view mirror. And then you're going to make your statement based on that future revenue number of 8.3%. Those are the four quantitative data points you need for that first data set in life cycle. Three-year compound annual growth rates for those three years, 2019, 2020, 2021, plus projected 2022. You good? Xavier, you're clear? Okay. Go ahead, Amy. Um, so again, my statement is the same. Either way is you can write, you know, um, you know, uh, was negative, or you can put it in parentheses, right? As long as they are consistent. Uh, anything else for life cycle? Or is there something we should be basing that off of? You, th that's all your, your own cognitive energy. Okay. So you're not gonna, you're not gonna, you know, go and like do. You're not gonna cite anything in that summary paragraph. This is all you applying what we've learned and saying. So first of all, the, we know the answer to the question already about what stage automobile manufacturing is presently in, right? What is, what is the current stage of the life cycle? Mature, right? So and we can, we'll collect, you'll collect all the data. So the, the I don't mean to say trick, but then the, the energy that you're going to expend is, okay, how do all of these data support my statement that this industry is presently mature? And that's all just you connecting the dots, right? As opposed to finding a source that you're going to cite. So you're not going to cite anything in that summary paragraph. You're going to explain to, explain to me how all of those data support mature. And then, right, we're not done yet. Then we have to say, does a mature industry present a threat or an opportunity to the sub-industry and their ability to increase profitability? 
the, the whole purpose of the external analysis is to evaluate for threats and opportunities and possibilities. Brady, did I answer your question? Yeah, and then that's where um, there's no right or wrong answer as long as we support what we're talking about, correct? Yeah, so I mean, there is a, it's not mature. Yeah, so the, so the answer is mature, right? I think you, uh, so the, I can't imagine in my head a way that you could support that the industry is in a growth stage, right? So I do think that there is a right answer for the stage. Um, and your ability, there, there are, I could probably think of at least two, maybe three different ways that you can connect those dots to support mature. As long as you can make a cogent argument, right? And if your argument differs from somebody else, I wouldn't worry about it. If your argument makes sense, I'm good. Anything else about life cycle? So collecting the data in terms of the, where the difficulty is, this part of it, right, is you know that's just collecting the collecting the information through your research efforts. Right, this is kind of the harder part here, right, is to basically, you know, apply your brain and say, well, how do I connect all these dots to support the fact that the automobile manufacturing sub-industry is presently in a mature stage? Uh, porters. Any, any questions on any aspect of what I've asked for? while you guys do have a very good, solid, reliable resource with the industry survey, there's still a lot of work that you guys have to do, right, to actually write and support the statements. Because they'll, they'll go through and they'll tell you what the answer is, right? Is it low, moderate, or high? You still have to then translate to opportunity and threat, connect all the dots, right? Um, so just make sure that, that you know that there is enough work that needs to be done outside of what is already presented for you here. So you've got some really good starting points, right, to be able to, and I've only asked you to present two out of the five sources, right, which I, was the degree of rivalry, here they said very high, right, so um, is that a threat or an opportunity? Does, degree, does a very high degree of rivalry or competition, does that translate to threat or opportunity for the companies in the sub-industry? Threat. Threat, right. Uh, and then bargaining power of suppliers. Here's where, Kazar, I was saying, right, you're likely to get one result for the sub-industry and a different result as applied to Tesla because they have, they're unique, right? And so, uh, so you're gonna have to do a little bit more work here, right, to apply a, uh, the results differently to Tesla. But they say it's moderate here, but you might then as applied to Tesla, this is a different outcome because of uh, uh, the fact that they manufacture their own uh, batteries, right? So they're in a better position relative to their competition. So so there is some, uh, what, I'm, what I'm cautioning you about is that you look and you're like, oh great, there's a Porter's, right? And you feel like, like there's not much work to be done. There's enough work to be done um, uh, that you'll have to do even with uh, 
um, a lot of information provided to you through the district board. Anything uh, about orders that I can clarify for you? So again, I think I was saying when I was lecturing about orders is that this is of all the things that I was teaching about the external analysis, orders is one of the things that you're going to put in your hip pocket and carry it around with you. Um, because companies use it, consulting firms use it as a way to evaluate companies' competitive position within a sub-industry. Um, so uh, orders is a pretty big deal. Oh, now I do remember the second thing I was going to say. Uh, so, you know, be, be careful about looking at the example assignment because the rubric is different there. In particular, the biggest place, uh, one of the biggest places where the rubric is different as applied to your assignment from the example paper is in your summary statement for opportunities and threats. So when you read the summary statement in the example paper, it is very different from what I have asked you guys to do. So, so look at it, but don't then translate it to what I've asked you guys to do. Um, so that, that's been modified considerably. Right? So that I'm talking about this portion. Right? This portion of the summary. Right? It's, the, it's the, uh, the written portion of the research as opposed to the table. Any, any other questions? Oh, sorry. Yep, uh, Tanner. How long do you want the summary of opportunities and threats? Just like half page? Yeah, so that paragraph, I mean, uh, you could probably get it done in like a third of a page. So that, that whole section with the, with the, with the write-up as well as the table, I would expect that that's, that entire section would take up maybe three-quarters of a page. So you would have one paragraph to summarize, and then you would have your table um, with the bullet points. Grace, I'm sorry, I didn't come back to you. Um, yeah, so I know we kind of went over order and threat, but I just want to solidify mm -hmm. for like within those different parts within life cycle. Do you want? Do you not care? Do you want us to like put like a good line in for um, you know something like uh, barriers of entry, or should we just all be meshed all together? Yeah. So Grace's question, I think, is. Do I want you to use like subheading kind of life yeah, cycle so you have, when yeah, you like present the individual data sets? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you so you, um, so I don't care if you do. So what I do care about if you don't use subheadings, please separate each of the data sets by paragraph, mm -hmm. right? And so you're going to and I think that I think the example uh, which is good for form and structure. So you're going to say that the life cycle is mature as supported by, and then you're going to list, right? You know, the, um, the three-year compound annual growth rate plus projected, um, the industry's competitive structure and barriers to entry. Whichever order you list those in your kind of introductory statement to life cycle is then the order that those data need to be presented. And you can either then use a subheading or you could just start a new paragraph, right? So then when I get to that, that next paragraph, I know that because you've listed them in a specific order, 
I know the first paragraph is going to be presenting the three-year compound annual growth rate data plus projected, and then the next paragraph is going to be about whatever was listed second and then thirdly. Is that, so you can use subheadings, and if you don't, that's fine, but just separate those data sets out by paragraph. Okay, and then if they do choose to do the subheadings, how would you fix that? Yeah, again, so it just as long as you're, you're consistent. Um, so, so if your major headings, say, are bold and centered, um, I would put your subheadings, yeah, maybe they're left justified, but they're not bold, but maybe they're underlined or something like that. Yeah. And so all of the subheadings would be in that same style and placement. And again, I'm sorry I forgot to. That's okay. I didn't want to, because you were like, you know, I was wondering wrong. it's not bold, so yeah. I just wanted to. Yeah. Thank you. What else? That's the only place in the paper where you're going to basically say, you know, take everything and say, now as applied to Tesla, right, here's the deal. Thank you. 
that I've not asked you to do anything other than focus on your writing. So do the best that you possibly can to turn in an assignment that gets you over the 70% threshold. Right? So that you have the option to resubmit as opposed to re being required to resubmit so that you can decide how you want to um, spend your time. Um, and that's the best piece of advice that I can give you because you do not portion of the internal analysis and the uh, financial analysis. Um, so I will continue that on, on Wednesday. Uh, all of which, all of that content lecture plus the reading uh, from chapter three is going to be on your, on your second page. Um, so I still have work to do um, regarding uh, lecture content. Thank you guys on Wednesday.